Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road at Chapters 13 and 14 from Agatha Christie's The Secret Adversary. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And now, Chapter 13, The Vigil. Sir James brushed past Julius and hurriedly bent over the fallen woman. Hart, he said sharply, seeing us so suddenly must have given her a shock. Brandy, and quickly, or she'll slip through our fingers. Julius hurried to the washstand. "'Not there,' said Tuppence, over her shoulder. "'In the tantal is in the dining-room. Second door down the passage.' Between them, Sir James and Tuppence lifted Mrs. Vandemeyer and carried her to the bed. There they dashed water on her face, but with no result. The lawyer fingered her pulse. Eh, "'Touch and go,' he muttered. "'I wish that young fellow would hurry up with the brandy.' At that moment Julius re-entered the room, carrying a glass half full of the spirit, which he handed to Sir James.' While Tuppence lifted her head, the lawyer tried to force a little of the spirit between her closed lips. Finally the woman opened her eyes, feebly. Tuppence held the glass to her lips. "'Drink this!' Mrs. Vandemeyer complied. The brandy brought the color back to her white cheeks and revived her in a marvelous fashion. She tried to sit up, then fell back with a groan, her hand to her side. "'It's my heart!' she whispered. "'I mustn't talk.' She lay back with closed eyes. Sir James kept his finger on her wrist a minute longer, then withdrew it with a nod. "'She'll do now.' All three moved away and stood together talking in low voices. One and all were conscious of a certain feeling of anticlimax. Certainly any scheme for cross-questioning the lady was out of the question for the moment. For the time being they were baffled, and could do nothing. Tuppence related how Mrs. Vandermeyer had declared herself willing to disclose the identity of Mr. Brown, and how she had consented to discover and reveal to them the whereabouts of Jane Finn. Julius was congratulatory. "'That's all right, Miss Tuppence. Splendid. I guess that hundred thousand pounds will look just as good in the morning to the lady as it did overnight. There's nothing to worry over. She won't speak without the cash anyway. You bet.' There was certainly a good deal of common sense in this and Tuppence felt a little comforted. "'What you say is true,' said Sir James meditatively. "'I must confess, however, that I cannot help wishing we had not interrupted at the minute we did. Still, it cannot be helped. It is only a matter of waiting until the morning.' He looked across at the inert figure on the bed. Mrs. Vandemeyer lay perfectly passive with closed eyes. He shook his head. "'Well,' said Tuppence, with an attempt at cheerfulness, "'we must wait until the morning, that's all.' "'but I don't think we ought to leave the flat. "'What about leaving that bright boy of yours on guard? "'And suppose she came round, "'and suppose she comes round again and hooks it. "'Albert couldn't stop her. "'I guess she won't want to make tracks away from the dollars. "'She might. "'She seemed very frightened of Mr. Brown. "'What? "'Real plum scared of him? "'Yes. "'She looked round and said even walls had ears. "'Maybe she meant a dictaphone.' "'said Julius, with interest. "'Miss Tuppence is right,' said Sir James quietly. "'We must not leave the flat, "'if only for Mrs. Vandemeyer's sake.' "'Julius stared at him. "'You think he'd get after her? "'Between now and tomorrow morning? "'How could he know, even? "'You forget your own suggestion of a dictaphone,' "'said Sir James dryly. "'We have a very formidable adversary. "'I believe, if we exercise all due care,' "'that there is a very good chance of his being delivered into our hands. "'But we must neglect no precaution. "'We have an important witness, but she must be safeguarded. 
"'I would suggest that Miss Tuppet should go to bed, "'and that you and I, Mr. Hersheimer, should share the vigil.' Tuppence was about to protest, "'but happening to glance at the bed, "'she saw Mrs. Vandermeyer, her eyes half open, "'with such an expression of mingled fear and malevolence on her face "'that it quite froze the words on her lips. "'For a moment she wondered whether the faint and the heart attack "'had been a gigantic sham, "'but remembering the deadly pallor she could hardly credit the supposition.' As she looked, the expression disappeared as by magic, and Mrs. Vandermeyer lay inert and motionless as before. For a moment the girl fancied she must have dreamt it, but she determined nevertheless to be on the alert. "'Well,' said Julius, "'I guess we'd better make a move out of here anyway.' The others fell in with his suggestion. Sir James again felt Mrs. Vandermeyer's pulse. "'Perfectly satisfactory,' he said in a low voice to Tuppence. "'She'll be absolutely all right after a night's rest.' "'The girl hesitated a moment by the bed. "'The intensity of the expression she had surprised "'had impressed her powerfully. "'Mrs. Vandermeyer lifted her lids. "'She seemed to be struggling to speak. "'Tuppence bent over her. "'Don't leave!' "'She seemed unable to proceed, "'murmuring something that sounded like sleepy. "'Then she tried again. "'Tuppence bent lower still.' Now it was only a breath. Mr. Brown! The voice stopped, but the half-closed eyes seemed still to send an agonized message. Moved by a sudden impulse, the girl said quickly, I shan't leave the flat. I shall sit up all night. A flash of relief showed before the lids descended once more. Apparently Mrs. Vandermeyer slept, but her words had awakened a new uneasiness in Tuppence. What had she meant by that low murmur, Mr. Brown? Tuppence caught herself nervously looking over her shoulder. The big wardrobe loomed up in a sinister fashion before her eyes. Plenty of room for a man to hide in that. Half ashamed of herself, Tuppence pulled it open and looked inside. No one, of course. She stooped down and looked under the bed. There was no other possible hiding place. Tuppence gave her familiar shake of the shoulders. It was absurd, this giving way to nerves. Slowly she went out of the room. Julius and Sir James were talking in a low voice. Sir James turned to her. "'Lock the door on the outside, please, Miss Tuppence, and take out the key. There must be no chance of anyone entering that room.' The gravity of his manner impressed them, and Tuppence felt less ashamed of her attack of nerves. "'Say,' remarked Julius suddenly, "'there's Tuppence's bright boy. I guess I'd better go down and ease his young mind.' "'That's some lad, Tuppence.' "'How did you get in, by the way?' asked Tuppence suddenly. "'I forgot to ask.' "'Well, Albert got me on the phone all right. "'I ran round for Sir James here, and we came right on. "'The boy was on the lookout for us, "'and was just a mite worried about what might have happened to you. "'He'd been listening outside the door of the flat, but couldn't hear anything. "'Anyhow, he suggested sending us up in the coal lift instead of ringing the bell. "'And sure enough, we landed in the scullery and came right along to find you.' "'Albert's still below, and must be just hopping mad by this time,' with which Julius departed abruptly. "'Now then, Miss Tuppence,' asked Sir James, "'you know this place better than I do. "'Where do you suggest we take up our quarters?' Tuppence considered for a moment or two. "'I think Mrs. Vandermeyer's boudoir would be the most comfortable,' she said at last, and led the way there. Sir James looked round approvingly. "'This will do very well. "'And now, my dear young lady,' "'Do go to bed and get some sleep.' "'Tuppence shook her head resolutely. 
"'I couldn't, thank you, Sir James. "'I should dream of Mr. Brown all night. "'But you'll be so tired, child. "'No, I shan't. "'I'd rather stay up, really.' "'The lawyer gave in. "'Julius reappeared some minutes later, "'having reassured Albert "'and rewarded him lavishly for his services. "'Having in his turn failed to persuade Tuppence to go to bed, "'he said decisively, "'At any rate, you've got to have something to eat right away. "'Where's the larder?' Tuppence directed him, and he returned in a few minutes with a cold pie and three plates. After a hearty meal, the girl felt inclined to poo-poo her fancies of half an hour before. The power of the money bribe could not fail. "'And now, Miss Tuppence,' said Sir James, "'we want to hear your adventures.' "'That's so,' agreed Julius. Tuppence narrated her adventures with some complacence. Julius occasionally interjected an admiring bully.' Sir James said nothing until she had finished, when his quiet, "'Well done, Miss Tuppence,' made her flush with pleasure. "'There's one thing I don't get clearly,' said Julius. "'What put her up to clearing out?' "'I don't know,' confessed Tuppence. Sir James stroked his chin thoughtfully. "'The room was in great disorder. That looks as though her flight was unpremeditated, almost as though she had received a sudden warning to go from someone. "'Mr. Brown, I suppose.' "'said Julius, scoffingly. "'The lawyer looked at him deliberately for a minute or two. "'Why not?' he said. "'Remember, you yourself have once been worsted by him.' "'Julius flushed with vexation. "'I feel just bad when I think of how I handed out Jane's photograph to him like a lamb. "'If I ever lay hands on it again, I'll freeze onto it like hell.' "'That contingency is likely to be a remote one,' said the other dryly. "'I guess you're right,' said Julius frankly. "'And in any case, it's the original I'm out after. "'Where do you think she can be, Sir James?' "'The lawyer shook his head. "'Impossible to say, but I have a very good idea where she has been.' "'You have? Where?' Sir James smiled. "'At the scene of your nocturnal adventures, the Bournemouth nursing home.' "'There? Impossible,' I asked. "'No, my dear sir.' "'You asked if anyone by the name of Jane Finn had been there. "'Now, if the girl had been placed there, "'it would almost certainly be under an assumed name.' "'Bully for you!' cried Julius. "'I never thought of that.' "'It was fairly obvious,' said the other. "'Perhaps the doctor's in it, too,' suggested Tuppence. "'Julius shook his head. "'I don't think so. "'I took to him at once. "'No, I'm pretty sure Dr. Hall's all right.' "'Hall, did you say?' "'asked Sir James. "'That's curious. "'Really very curious.' "'Why?' demanded Tuppence. "'Because I happened to meet him this morning. "'I've known him slightly on and off for some years, "'and this morning I ran across him in the street. "'Staying at the Metropole,' he told me. "'He turned to Julius. "'Didn't he tell you he was coming to town?' "'Julius shook his head. "'Very curious,' mewed Sir James.' "'You did not mention his name this afternoon, "'or I would have suggested your going to him "'for further information with my card as introduction.' "'I guess I'm a mutt,' said Julius, "'with his usual humility. "'I ought to have thought of the false name stunt.' "'How could you think of anything "'after falling out of that tree?' "'cried Tuppence. "'I'm sure anyone else would have been killed right off.' "'Well, I guess it doesn't matter now anyway,' "'said Julius. "'We've got Mrs. Vandermeyer on a string, "'and that's all we need.' "'Yes,' said Tuppence, but there was a lack of assurance in her voice. A silence settled down over the party. Little by little the magic of the night began to gain a hold on them. 
"'there were sudden creaks of the furniture, "'imperceptible rustlings in the curtains. "'Suddenly Tuppence sprang up with a cry. "'I can't help it. "'I know Mr. Brown somewhere in this flat. "'I can feel him.' "'Sure, Tuppence. "'How could he be? "'This door's open into the hall. "'No one could have come by the front door "'without our seeing and hearing him. "'I can't help it. "'I feel he's here.' "'She looked appealingly at Sir James, "'who replied gravely, "'With due deference to your feelings, Miss Tuppence, "'and mine as well for that matter, "'I do not see how it is humanely possible "'for anyone to be in the flat without our knowledge.' "'The girl was a little comforted by his words. "'Sitting up at night is always rather jumpy,' she confessed. "'Yes,' said Sir James. "'We are in the condition of people holding a seance. "'Perhaps if a medium were present, we might get some marvelous results.' "'Do you believe in spiritualism?' asked Tuppets, opening her eyes wide. "'The lawyer shrugged his shoulders. "'There is some truth in it, without a doubt. "'But most of the testimony would not pass muster in the witness-box.' The hours drew on. With the first faint glimmerings of dawn, Sir James drew aside the curtains. They beheld, what few Londoners see, the slow rising of the sun over the sleeping city. Somehow, at the coming of light, the dreads and fancies of the past night seemed absurd. Tuppence's spirits revived to the normal. "'Hooray!' she said. "'It's going to be a gorgeous day. And we shall find Tommy. And Jane Finn. And everything will be lovely. I shall ask Mr. Carter if I can't be made a dame.' At seven o'clock, Tuppence volunteered to go and make some tea. She returned with a tray, containing the teapot and four cups. "'Who's the other cup for?' inquired Julius. "'The prisoner, of course. I suppose we might call her that.' "'Taking her tea seems a kind of anticlimax to last night,' said Julius thoughtfully. "'Yes, it does,' admitted Tuppence. "'But anyway, here goes. Perhaps you'd both come, too, in case she springs on me or anything.' "'You see, we don't know what mood she'll wake up in.' "'Sir James and Julius accompanied her to the door. "'Where's the key? Oh, of course. I've got it myself.' "'She put it in the lock and turned it, then paused. "'Supposing, after all, she's escaped?' "'She murmured in a whisper. "'Plum impossible,' replied Julius reassuringly. "'But Sir James said nothing. "'Tuppence drew a long breath and entered.' She heaved a sigh of relief as she saw that Mrs. Vandermeyer was lying on the bed. "'Good morning,' she remarked cheerfully. "'I brought you some tea.' Mrs. Vandermeyer did not reply. Tuppence put down the cup on the table by the bed and went across to draw up the blinds. When she returned, Mrs. Vandermeyer still lay without a movement. With a sudden fear clutching at her heart, Tuppence ran to the bed. The hand she lifted was cold as ice. Mrs. Vandermeyer would never speak now. Her cry brought the others. A very few minutes sufficed. Mrs. Vandermeyer was dead, and must have been dead some hours. She had evidently died in her sleep. If that isn't the cruelest luck, cried Julius in despair. The lawyer was calmer, but there was a curious gleam in his eyes. If it is luck, he replied. You don't think, but say, that's plumb impossible. "'No one could have got in.' "'No,' admitted the lawyer. "'I don't see how they could. "'And yet, she is on the point of betraying Mr. Brown, "'and she dies. "'Is it only chance?' "'But how?' "'Yes, how. "'That is what we must find out.' "'He stood there silently, gently stroking his chin. "'We must find out,' 
he said quietly, and Tuppence felt that if she was Mr. Brown, she would not like the tone of those simple words. Julius's glance went to the window. "'The window's open,' he remarked. "'Do you think—' Tuppence shook her head. "'The balcony only goes along as far as the boudoir. We were there.' "'He might have slipped out,' suggested Julius. But Sir James interrupted him. "'Mr. Brown's methods are not so crude. In the meantime, we must send for a doctor.' "'But before we do so, is there anything in this room that might be of value to us?' Hastily the three searched. A charred mass in the grate indicated that Mrs. Vandermeyer had been burning papers on the eve of her flight. Nothing of importance remained, though they searched the other rooms as well. "'There's that,' said Tuppence suddenly, pointing to a small, old-fashioned safe which was let into the wall. "'It's for jewelry, I believe, but there might be something else in it.' The key was in the lock and Julius swung open the door and searched inside. He took some time with the task. "'Well?' said Tuppence impatiently. There was a pause before Julius answered. Then he withdrew his head and shut to the door. "'Nothing,' he said. In five minutes a brisk young doctor arrived, hastily summoned. He was deferential to Sir James, whom he recognized. "'Heart failure, or possibly an overdose of some sleeping draught. He sniffed. "'Rather an odor of chloral in the air.' "'Tuppence remembered the glass she had upset. "'A new thought drove her to the washstand. "'She found the little bottle from which Mrs. Vandermeyer had poured a few drops. "'It had been three parts full, but now it was empty. "'We'll return with Chapter 14, right after these sponsor messages. "'And now Chapter 14 of The Secret Adversary. "'A Consultation.' Nothing was more surprising and bewildering to Tuppence than the ease and simplicity with which everything was arranged, owing to Sir James's skilful handling. The doctor accepted quite readily the theory that Mrs. Vandermeyer had accidentally taken an overdose of chloral. He doubted whether an inquest would be necessary. If so, he would let Sir James know. If so, he would let Sir James know. He understood that Mrs. Vandermeyer was on the eve of departure for abroad, and that the servants had already left. Sir James and his young friends had been paying a call upon her, when she was suddenly stricken down and they had spent the night in the flat, not liking to leave her alone. Did they know of any relatives? They did not, but Sir James referred him to Mrs. Vandermeyer's solicitor. Shortly afterwards a nurse arrived to take charge, and the other left the ill-omened building. "'And what now?' asked Julius, with a gesture of despair. "'I guess we're down and out for good.' Sir James stroked his chin thoughtfully. "'No,' he said quietly. "'There's still the chance that Dr. Hall may be able to tell us something.' "'Gee, I'd forgotten him. "'The chance is slight, but it must not be neglected. "'I think I told you that he is staying at the Metropole. "'I should suggest that we call upon him there as soon as possible. "'Shall we say, after a bath and breakfast?' "'It was arranged that Tuppence and Julius should return to the Ritz "'and call for Sir James in the car. "'This program was faithfully carried out, and a little after eleven they drew up before the Metropole. They asked for Dr. Hall, and the page boy went in search of him. In a few minutes the little doctor came hurrying towards them. "'Can you spare us a few minutes, Dr. Hall?' said Sir James pleasantly. "'Let me introduce you to Miss Cowley. Mr. Hersheimer, I think, you already know.' A quizzical gleam came into the doctor's eye as he shook hands with Julius. "'Ah, yes, my young friend of the tree episode. Ankle all right, eh?' 
"'I guess it's cured owing to your skillful treatment, Doc. "'And the hard trouble? Ha-ha!' "'Still searching,' said Julius briefly. "'To come to the point, can we have a word with you in private?' asked Sir James. "'Certainly. I think there is a room here where we shall be quite undisturbed.' He led the way, and the others followed him. They sat down, and the doctor looked inquiringly at Sir James. "'Dr. Hall, I am very anxious to find a certain young lady for the purpose of obtaining a statement from her. I have reason to believe that she has been at one time or another in your establishment at Bournemouth. I hope I am transgressing no professional etiquette in questioning you on the subject.' "'I suppose it is a matter of testimony?' "'the doctor asked. "'Sir James hesitated a moment. "'Then he replied, "'Yes.' "'Then I shall be pleased to give you "'any information in my power. "'What is the young lady's name?' "'Mr. Hersheimer asked me, I remember.' "'He half turned to Julius. "'The name,' said Sir James bluntly, "'is really immaterial. "'She would be almost certainly sent to you "'under an assumed name. "'But I should like to know "'if you are acquainted with a Mrs. Vandemeyer. "'Mrs. Vandemeyer, of twenty South Audley Mansions?' "'I know her, slightly.' "'You are not aware of what has happened?' "'What do you mean?' "'You do not know that Mrs. Vandemeyer is dead?' "'Dear, dear, I had no idea of it. "'When did it happen?' "'She took an overdose of chloral last night.' "'Purposely?' "'Accidentally, it is believed. "'I should not like to say myself. "'Anyway, she was found dead this morning. "'Very sad. "'A singularly handsome woman.' "'I presume she was a friend of yours, "'since you are acquainted with all these details. "'I am acquainted with the details because, "'well, it was I who found her dead.' "'Indeed,' said the doctor, starting. "'Yes,' said Sir James, "'and stroked his chin reflectively. "'This is very sad news, "'but you will excuse me if I say "'that I do not see how it bears "'on the subject of your inquiry. "'It bears on it in this way. "'Is it not a fact... "'Is it not a fact that Mrs. Vandermeyer "'committed a young relative of hers to your charge?' "'Julius leaned forward eagerly. "'That is the case,' said the doctor quietly. "'Under the name of... "'Janet Vandermeyer. "'I understood her to be a niece of Mrs. Vandermeyer's. "'And she came to you, as far as I can remember, "'in June or July of 1915. "'Was she a mental case?' "'No, she's perfectly sane.' "'if that's what you mean. "'I understood from Mrs. Vandermeyer "'that the girl had been with her on the Lusitania "'when that ill-fated ship was sunk "'and had suffered a severe shock in consequence. "'We're on the right track, I think,' Sir James looked round. "'As I said before, I'm a mutt,' returned Julius. "'The doctor looked at them all curiously. "'You spoke of wanting a statement from her?' he said. "'Supposing she is not able to give one.' "'What?' "'You've just said that she's perfectly sane.' "'Oh, yes, and so she is. "'Nevertheless, if you want a statement from her "'concerning any events prior to May 7th, 1915, "'she will not be able to give it to you.' "'They looked at the little man, stupefied. "'He nodded cheerfully. "'It's a pity,' he said. "'A great pity, especially as I gather, Sir James, "'that the matter is important. "'But there it is. "'She can tell you nothing.' "'But why, man? "'Darn it all, why?' "'the little man shifted his benevolent glance "'to the excited young American. "'Because Janet Vandermeyer is suffering "'from a complete loss of memory.' "'What?' "'Quite so. "'An interesting case. "'A very interesting case. "'Not so uncommon, really, as you would think. "'There are several very well-known parallels. 
"'It's the first case of the kind "'that I've had under my own personal observation, "'and I must admit that I found it of absorbing interest.' "'There was something rather ghoulish "'in the little man's satisfaction. "'And she remembers nothing,' said Sir James slowly. "'And nothing prior to May 7th, 1915. "'After that date, her memory is as good as yours or mine.' "'Then the first thing she remembers is landing with the survivors. "'Everything before that is a blank. "'She did not know her own name or where she had come from or where she was. "'She couldn't even speak her own tongue.' "'But surely this is most unusual,' put in Julius. Uh, "'No, my dear sir, quite normal under the circumstances. "'Severe shock to the nervous system. "'Loss of memory proceeds nearly always on the same lines. "'I suggested a specialist, of course.' "'There's a very good man in Paris, makes a study of these cases. "'But Mrs. Vandermeyer opposed the idea of publicity "'that might result from such a course.' "'I can imagine she would,' said Sir James grimly. "'I fell in with her views. "'There's a certain notoriety given to these cases, "'and the girl was very young, nineteen, I believe. "'It seemed a pity that her infirmity should be talked about. It "'Might damage her prospects. "'Besides, there's no special treatment to pursue in such cases.' "'It is really a matter of just waiting.' "'Waiting?' "'Yes, sooner or later, the memory will return, as suddenly as it went. "'But in all probability the girl will have entirely forgotten the intervening period, "'and will take up life where she left off, at the sinking of the Lusitania. "'And when do you expect this to happen?' "'The doctor shrugged his shoulders. "'Ah, that I can't answer. "'Sometimes it is a matter of months.' "'Sometimes it's been known to be as long as twenty years. "'Sometimes another shock does the trick. "'One restores what the other took away.' "'Another shock, eh?' said Julius thoughtfully. "'Exactly. There was a case in Colorado.' "'The little man's voice trailed on, voluble, mildly enthusiastic. "'Julius did not seem to be listening. "'He had relapsed into his own thoughts and was frowning. "'Suddenly he came out of his brown study,' "'and hit the table such a resounding bang with his fist "'that everyone jumped, the doctor most of all. "'I've got it. "'I guess, Doc, I'd like your medical opinion "'on the plan I'm about to outline. "'See, Jane was to cross the herring pond again, "'and the same thing was to happen. "'The submarine, the sinking ship, "'everyone to take to the boats, and so on. "'Wouldn't that do the trick? "'Wouldn't it give a mighty big bump to her subconscious self, "'or whatever the jargon is, "'and started functioning again right away?' "'A very interesting speculation, Mr. Hersheimer. "'In my own opinion, it would be successful. "'It is unfortunate that there is no chance "'of the conditions re repeating themselves as you suggest. "'Not by nature, perhaps, Doc, "'but I'm talking about art.' "'Art?' "'Why, yes. What's the difficulty? "'We hire a liner.' "'A, a liner?' murmured Dr. Hall faintly. "'We'll hire some passengers. Hire a submarine.' "'That's the only difficulty, I guess. "'Governments are apt to be a bit hidebound over their engines of war. "'They won't sell to the first comer. "'Still, I guess that can be got over. "'Ever heard of the word graft, sir? "'Well, graft gets there every time. "'I reckon that we shan't really need to fire a torpedo. "'If everyone hustles round and screams loud enough "'that the ship is sinking, "'it ought to be enough for an innocent young girl like Jane. "'By the time she's got a life belt on her "'and is being hustled into a boat,' "'with a well-drilled lot of actors doing the hysterical stunt on deck. "'Why, she ought to be right back where she was in May of 1915. "'How's that for a bare outline?' 
Dr. Hall looked at Julius. Everything that he was for the moment incapable of saying was eloquent in that look. "'No,' said Julius, in answer to it. "'I'm not crazy. The thing's perfectly possible. It's done every day in the States for the movies. Haven't you seen trains in collision on the screen? What's the difference between buying up a train and buying up a liner? Get the properties, and you can go right ahead and film it.' Dr. Hall found his voice. "'But the expense, my dear sir,' his voice rose, "'the expense would be colossal.' "'Money doesn't worry me any,' explained Julius simply. Dr. Hall turned an appealing face to Sir James, who smiled slightly. "'Mr. Hersheimer's very well off, very well off indeed.' The doctor's glance came back to Julius with a new and subtle quality in it. This was no longer an eccentric young fellow with a habit of falling off trees. The doctor's eyes held the difference accorded to a really rich man. "'Very remarkable plan. Very remarkable,' he murmured. "'The movies, of course. Your American word for the cinema. Very interesting. I fear we are perhaps a little behind the times over here in our methods. And you really mean to carry out this remarkable plan of yours?' "'You bet your bottom dollar I do.' The doctor believed him, which was a tribute to his nationality. If an Englishman had suggested such a thing, he would have grave doubts as to his sanity. "'I cannot guarantee a cure,' he pointed out. "'Perhaps I ought to make that quite clear.' "'Well, that's understood,' said Julius. "'You just trot out Jane and leave the rest to me.' "'Jane? "'Miss Janet Vandemeyer, then. "'Can we get on the long distance to your place right away?' "'and ask them to send her up, "'or shall I run down and fetch her in my car?' "'The doctor stared. "'I beg your pardon, Mr. Hersheimer. "'I thought you understood.' "'Understood what?' "'That Miss Vandemeyer is no longer under my care.' "'We'll return next Sunday with more of The Secret Adversary. "'This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn, "'asking you Apple listeners, if you have a moment,' Please do stop and send us a review if you're enjoying this episode. It's 1001 Stories for the Road. We always appreciate reviews and they help new listeners find us. Until next week's Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, everyone, stay safe and we'll be back soon.